When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. And I would like to thank you for returning back this week to the continuation of last week's episode where the From the Shadows podcast crew interviewed author Wendy Coyle, where we were just about to discuss about some potential buried treasure that we might have right here in Crawford County, Ohio. So without any more delay, I would like to return you to this interview already in progress. Enjoy. Because obviously this is where, you know, the judge and I were born and raised and still live. I mean, not to mention these outsiders, Alicia and Jason. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I live here too. Well, I, I but we were born, I mean, yeah. so, and I'd never heard anything about the treasure. So. Um, you know, I stopped in on the way and dug oh, the thing you? up and took it for myself. So There is a, a football team called the Canton Little Giants, but I don't think they're in Ohio. They're in Illinois. Oh, okay. Probably different giants. Yeah, different people say. The Little Giants. <laughs> so, very okay, so let's, so let's hear, because now by the time we uh, share this podcast, it'll be It'll come out Friday. Yes, we'll have a big head start on everybody listening. So that's amazing. Yes, well, so I'm going to give you some of the clues yeah, we'll to get you started. Start. Okay, all right. Okay, so if you remember, I was talking about the book, and I said that a lot of times when I'm working on a tale, obviously I want to know about the treasure, how much it's worth, all this and that. But uh, several times, another story starts to emerge that is almost if not more fascinating than the treasure tale itself so for your treasure here in your county the side story that started to emerge makes for it to be one of the spookiest treasure tales that i have researched so i'm going to go ahead and reveal the location of the treasure However, do not run off with your metal detectors and leave me sitting here. Oh. <laughs> so the treasure is supposedly at the location of Sea Cam Park. Sea Cam Park, where, sorry, yeah, out on 19. Yeah, out on 19. Uh, just, would it be west of 602, maybe? Yeah, that's where Sea Camp Park it's is. It's close to Hecker Woods. Yeah, close to Hecker Woods. 
And so Shane and I had been talking a little bit about Seacam Park, and he said what the locals will know about this is... Is that uh, Seacam Park, or the or the um, woods out there, back in the, and I don't know when it started, but in the early 1900s, clear up to the late 1940s, was a very popular amusement park, or a a place where kids of the day went. They had a they had a public swimming pool. They had a pond. They had a uh, a band, uh, a place where the big bands of the day, like Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, all those guys came and played. And because um, I remember these stories, my grandpa told me these stories about going out there, uh, and it evolved kind of like Cedar Point did, mm-hmm. where people went and um, which we don't probably our generation think of as entertaining went and had picnics by the (laughs) side of the lake and then rode our boats out there and um, you know I've read stories about how it um, it had probably one of the first public swimming pools but the water in the swimming pool was from the river (laughs) okay so I'm not sure how how great that swimming experience was Um, but like my grandpa would tell me the Right here over our, our shoulder where we're broadcasting from the studio is the square. And the square here in Besires had a, they called it the inner urban, and it would go from the square and stop, had a stop right out there in front of the property so people could. Was there an old roller coaster out there? There was an old roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Roller so, coaster. It, so like Cedar Point, it evolved into a, um, like a place for people to picnic and swim and row their boats and listen to Tommy Dorsey and those two I think there was a roller coaster there was Is there a carousel there might have been a carousel I don't know that the, if there was a Ferris wheel or not but there was different rides and you know games and I know people up into the 70s said you could still catch glimpses of the skeleton of the roller coaster now it wasn't like the, you know the big ones up at Cedar Point it was probably right. mm-hmm. probably like the uh the Wildcat up at Cedar you know, it's the self-contained right. roller coaster. But so it's, you know, for the younger generation, you know, our kids, they have no idea. They are probably not even, but for people of our generation that grew up listening to our parents and grandparents tell stories about it. Yeah, I met my mom told yeah. about it when she went there when she was a little kid. Yeah. My mom was born in 47, so. So she would have probably been there at, kid. The, yeah. at the tail end. And right. my, gra- my grandpa would have gone there before World War Two, right? Um, um, and just it was the place to hang out. Mm-hmm. So when Wendy revealed to me that there was a buried treasure, all of a sudden I thought, man, how cool is how cool is this? Um, and in fact, I said, I know nothing about the treasure story, so I have not been out there looking. <laughs> I said to her, I said, how many people do you think were standing in line to get on the roller coaster, standing over top of the treasure? How cool would that be to think about that? So let's talk about why you think there's a treasure out there. Okay. Uh, One thing about the amusement park and its name, um, this is kind of where our story takes off. So the name is Seacam Park. Well, when the the amusement park really took off, they held this contest, and they're like, we need a really cool name. I don't know what they were calling it before, the park, the picnic grounds. So we need a cool name for this park. Well, somebody submitted the name Seacam, and the reason that they wanted it to be named Seacam is because there was believed to be a lost Wyandotte Indian village there, okay? And the village was named Seacam. 
There is no translation that anybody's aware of to what that means in, in their language. Um, however, it's just important to know that that's where the village was. The treasure tale really takes off in 1897. And these two gentlemen, one was named General Finley. The other was Dr. Moorhead from OSU. He was an archaeologist. Finley was a local researcher, and he was known... Mm -hmm. Yep, he was yep. known to know the back history all the way to the Native Americans. Um, so they were planning in the summer of 1897 to go out to the grounds there and maybe look for artifacts and try to figure out exactly where the village was. They, they knew it was there on the Olentangy River, right on the ford of the river, but they wanted to go out and see what they could find. Well, while they were preparing for this, Finley received a letter from a man named Coacher, and he was from Mansfield. And he said, hey, I know you guys are going out to see Cam. Um, I have a little information that I want to give you. So this information is where we get our treasure tale from. Right. So, what Coacher said was that his grandfather was kidnapped by the Wyandotte Indians that lived there at Cam, And while he was there, he would listen to the natives tell stories. And a story that they loved to tell um, happened in the early 1700s where these two French traders came down through and stopped at the village. So the traders, they were from the Great Lakes area and they were on their way to New Orleans. Um, so I guess Ohio is a good place to stop there. Gotta imagine that trip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, quite the, quite the trip. So while they Google, were... Google Maps tell them there was... Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> um, but, you know, they picked a good you spot. You are three months away from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so they asked if they could stay there in the village a couple days because they noticed what fertile hunting grounds that we, we have there. And so they said, sure. So the next day, the two guys wake up, and they're like, well, I think we'll go out and do a hunt. But they're traders. They're probably wealthy traders. So they were carrying stuff with them. Most likely, or they were taking money to get down to New Orleans. So they decided what they would do is they were going to bury their valuables. And they went. They found this oak tree that was on the banks of a stream. And they buried the money there by the oak tree, and they made marks on the oak tree. Okay. So they go off then onto their hunting expedition and pretty quickly out, the first man was attacked and killed by a bear. Okay. Hmm. So no sooner do they get him buried and whatever they needed to do there, the second man takes sick and he dies of a fever. So now we have the, these guys are both deceased, and we have this treasure in the ground. And the Native Americans have no, no clue. No well, need, well, they have a clue, but they probably don't even care. Well, I feel like they probably would have been pretty aware of what these men were doing out mm. there in the land. Yeah, um, they might have been watching them. The yeah, unless, I feel unless like, of course, they had realized that these guys were just going down for Mardi Gras, and it was just a bunch of beads. That they had. That could have changed the whole course <laughs> of this story. <laughs> well, regardless of what they, they were thought, the, <laughs> um, the the natives they w would not look for the treasure. They would not 
dig cursed. for anything yeah. because they feared the spirits. They feared the oh, spirits yeah. of the two deceased men. So as far as we know, they had never touched the treasure. When we're talking about this excavation with Finley and the professor, um, that was 200 years later. So supposedly 200 years later, the thing is still in the ground. Um, so, you know, Finley and this Moorhead, they're going out to look for these relics and they're just like, well, you know, while we're here, we might as well look for the treasure. We might as well <laughs> yeah, We're see. not doing anything yeah, else. Well, yeah. Nothing to lose here. Just an afterthought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they go out to um, the Seacam area. And the person that owned the land at the time was a farmer by the name of Lathbaum. Lothbaum. Lothbaum. And for some reason, I feel like I've heard that name on this podcast. Well, it just so happens that Lothbaum is the maiden name of the young lady that I uh, reside with. And wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. She knew the treasures. I don't know. She may be holding back some info. Yes, we ride them driving out there. (laughs) That's a question. I work at the post office. You think we found the treasure? See, you're hiding in plain sight. Come on. I know. So, 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 now wait a second. So, this is a total. So, 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 Lothbaum is the name of the the farmer that okay. had the land. And one thing okay. I do when I am researching, I like to pull up historic maps and look for the names of people and what they owned, where they were. And his land was right there where the river curves up, which would have been the ford in the river. That his land stretched right across there, and it says Lothbaum, right across there. Um, so I know that fact is correct. Well, okay. they get out there. And so they're, they're talking about the village, of course, but of course they get around to the treasure and they ask this, this farmer, they're like, do you know anything about this? There is an oak tree, there's a stream. Well, he says, you know what? I remember that oak tree and remember strange markings, but I'll be darned if I didn't cut it down years and years ago. <laughs> As for the stream, yes, there was a stream that went through my property, but it has since dried up. So do you remember at the beginning I told you... There's always something. There is always... You're just about there. You're just yeah. almost to the treasure and then the it's a no-go. Are... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a deathbed confession. That didn't happen in this story, but we were almost there. We almost got to the treasure. So the guys did not find any kind of treasure, but in their notes they did find... and I'm going to read it, it. A bushel of sharpened in flint... So I'm thinking it was a stockpile of arrowheads, which proved that is most likely where the village was. They were right all along. So in one way, they succeeded on their expedition. In another way, they didn't find the treasure. As a side note, let's look this up on Seacamp Park. The swimming pool was the largest swimming pool east of the Mississippi and could hold an estimated 1,000 200 swimmers. Holy cow. That's a big deal. And it was all river <laughs> Yeah. It says the walls of the pool still exist. However, the woods have grown over where it originally sat. The cool. roller coaster that was there, are you ready for this? Cost an estimated, they bought it from a park up in Cleveland. It was called the Pippin. 
Was, yeah. The Pippin was bought from Lunar Park in Cleveland, oh, Ohio. That it was the roughest ride. It was made of all wood and reportedly cost $150,000 to build. Mm. Now, back then, $150,000 would have been more than the treasure that was probably buried there. So, so when they went out there to do this research, the park was not yet established no so they went in 1897 the beginnings of the park which it was you know started off as the picnic area is listed as 1899 right so there's just a few years there so old man found the treasure and started the park and the proceeds bought built bought the big, this, bought like this. like how do you just go ahead and build the biggest swimming pool east of the mississippi and then buy a roller coaster that it costs $150,000. I mean, because you think about $150,000 today is a lot of money. It really is. But in 19, so let's see when that roller coaster, the roller coaster was 1930, the Pippin roller coaster became a new addition to the park. So 30 um, years into the park. Is so you're talking, so in 1930, I'm gonna look what is up. the real dollar value of $150,000? It'd be a million dollars. It'd be more than that. It'd be more than that. I think old man Lothbaum found the treasure. Well, the story said that in today's version of the story, it is 100 pounds of gold that's supposedly buried, that was buried by the oak tree. But I didn't it, find it, that in my it, research. It's just part of the and I looked at, the And I looked that up, and how much did I say? That would yeah, be worth you, like $22 million. Enough to build a roller coaster. So the, roller co- so the uh, dollar... Today's dollar equivalent of $150,000 in 1930 would be $2.3 million. Mm, mm, mm. That's a lot. That's a lot of roller coaster right there. Mm-hmm. That is. So, so they, so they did actually, so they searched for the treasure. Well, they, or they, as well, best they, they could, were at as it, best yeah. they could. Yeah. And so you're saying is that the the lore is the it's treasure is there. Is a hundred pounds of, of gold, mm-hmm. a hundred pounds of gold, and I don't know where that came from because in the original letter that the the coacher wrote about his grandfather, he didn't disclose what was buried there, but it was valuables, and so somehow now we've taken that and said, well, it's a hundred pounds of gold. That's what it was. I don't know where that has come from. Well, a hundred pounds of gold. It's a lot. It would gold. be a lot of gold. Imagine mm. traveling. Um, you, you know, in the city of well, it's not a city. I the town of Minerva, the biggest Ohio treasure is of two French soldiers and their lost gold. And I am wondering if pieces and parts of those stories have merged together. The French gold story is in this book. Um, it's worth the most of all the treasures that I write about. But it was interesting to me that they were two Frenchmen. They buried the money. They made markings on a tree, and now it's turned into gold. So I'm well, wondering. Well, well, how you that wonder if those guys along the way were stashing, stashing stuff along, along the way. That could be. It could be the same French guys because that would be coming if you were following the um, river. You know, I think it might have been different though because I think these French guys. It was early 1700s. 
the French guys that stopped at Minerva to stash their treasure was 1795. So oh, okay. that part of the story is okay, but there's just some pieces that are very similar, and I'm like. But well, just just to think that somewhere in Crawford County there may be even five pounds of gold buried. Yeah, even a few coins would be amazing just yeah. to say, yeah, th that really did happen. That. Well, I'm sure in Crawford County there's a, there's a lot of things buried that people don't know are there. And, and, and are we just talking about gold or are we talking about... You know, I could dig up my own treasure story when I was a... Both. <clears throat> so this is, a, this is a treasure story for you that you might want to put in your book. <laughs> you too, you it's too late the book is written. A new book. Part new two. Book. Part, Part two. two. Part two. When I was a kid, I had the G.I. Joe <laughs> with the Kung Fu with grip. With the Kung Fu grip. But oh I also had, he was special edition. You pull a string on his back. And he would say things like, I have a mission for you. So my brother and I, being the idiots that we were, we dropped him in the toilet. He was not a frog man, it turns out. And the tidy bowl man had to rescue him. So, so man, your time. It, the, the thing is, the toilet water might have actually been cleaner than the pool water at Seacamp Park. Exactly. But anyway, so it changed his, he, the only thing it sounded like, was I want a hamburger? So, <laughs> that's what it's like. So that's all we'd say. I want a hamburger, which obviously wasn't one of his original voice cases. So this was back. I was living on Piper Dairy Farm on Schaefer Road. So we're talking about Pig's Alley. Yes, right by Pig's Alley. Nobody's going back to Pig's so, Alley after that last episode. <laughs> so, so so anyway, so at, at this time I'd have been like seven years old, and they you know. I'd heard about time capsules and things like that. So I took Joe and I wrapped him up. Hamburger Joe. Real good, hamburger Joe. <laughs> and I wrapped him up really good. And I had one of those little kids uh, fishing tackle boxes that were solid metal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I put Joe in there. He's wrapped up like a mummy. And I, you know, tackled him up. And then I dug a hole and I buried him in there thinking, yeah, someday I'm going to dig Joe up. Well, then a couple years later, my parents bought a house. We moved. And, uh, the house has since been torn down, but GI Joe. Yeah, but is I, there. I, I know <laughs> under the how, I know how adverse you are to manual labor. That hole is probably like five inches deep. <laughs> I mean, seriously, nah, somebody. Awesome. So, no, a good is, rain would. The thing is, it, no, because it was I. I put it by our mailbox at the time, so I dug down. I mean, there's there posters. Some very no, specific it was in there. Yeah, it's very specific. Now the mailbox is gone, the house is gone, but the drive is still there. So, if any treasure, so the challenge up, would be find, do finding we find, Joe, find Joe, or the gold at Sea Park. I'm wondering if he is maybe trying to throw us off. Throw the everybody trail. off, like we'll I'm going to get Hamburger Joe. Joe. Yeah, let's go look for yeah. Hamburger Joe. Listen, you look up, Google the value of a GI Joe from 1976 that had somewhat altered voice box yeah. <laughs> with okay. a kung fu grip. With kung fu. But the, the dropping it in the toilet, though, the alter, I could buy the altered uh, vocalization, but not because it got dropped in the toilet. No, the, the water screwed the voice box. I understand <laughs> that's what was the reason, but it just... I, but you know, his tale, if we talk about those characteristics needed... You have that piece of almost because the house is gone, the yep. mailbox is there gone. Go. We do know where the driveway is, though, so we almost have enough information <laughs> to go out there and dig exactly. that. Exactly, that's brilliant. So he point. is a master treasure. Should sharer. we put a reward on 
our podcast if anybody can go out and find and Joe. find Joe and bring him in. Let's and we'll know it's the authentic one because Let's he pulled his string. He says he wants a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> if they get, yeah, anybody finds this GI Joe from the judge, you may get a monetary reward, but you will definitely get a sticker. Yeah, we'll definitely get <laughs> <give> you <laughs> a sticker. <laughs> yeah. And a shout out on the podcast. Yeah, shout yeah. Out and then you can place that sticker on the tackle box. <laughs> That'll be a perfect place for the for the day. Yeah, that's a fantastic that's a fantastic story. Which, you know, we can maybe go to one of our former guests, Mark Corey, who did the did the Colonel Crawford story mm-hmm. and is well versed in Indian lore, and see maybe what else he may have come across. I think that'd be a wonderful idea because he may have more pieces and parts to this, and even where. The legend with the the gold, why is that 100 pounds of gold? Um, well, you know, one of the things I said at the beginning is that this turned out to be one of the creepiest stories that I have researched, that side story that came up. Um, so I started to notice this pattern as I'm researching this whole piece of land out here. So first of all, we had the bear attack and then the man that suddenly died of an illness. So that's a disaster on its own. Besides the fact that I have a very personal link to the name of the I mean, the there's another movie. disaster we have happening. Yes. Um, so that wasn't in my notes, but I will add. Um, but another, another, I guess we'll say creepy factor and something disturbing. So the village, obviously, it's a lost village, but... These natives, they weren't, they didn't just disappear and move on. They weren't shoved off the land. What had happened, supposedly, is that they were massacred. Um, so a warring tribe, they were the Catawba Indians, came down, they were looking for a fight. And how they went about the massacre was pretty disgusting. So they came down in the middle of the night, and at the entrance of the village, they had several of their tribe members wear buffalo hoofs on the bottom of their feet and they walked around in the mud and it made it look like a herd of buffalo had been there and then the hoofs went on into the woods. So the next morning when the Seacam Indians, they they woke up, they're like, oh my gosh, there's buffalo. We've got to go after this. This Feed us for the winter. So they go into the woods and this other tribe was waiting and ambushed the men, all the men that were on the hunting expedition, went back into the village and burned it down. Wow. I mean, I, I mean, that's me. I mean, to not even, I've never heard any of that. I didn't know there were buffaloes in Ohio. I didn't know that either. Yeah, there's buffalo in Ohio. Yeah, I knew that. Old Man Lacey has buffalo out. By the yeah, I know that, but I didn't know that they were in indigenous to, to Ohio. They probably yes. just got we yeah. have a lot of Indians too. We got mound building Indians here in Ohio. Well, no, we have the Great Serpent Mountains in Ohio. Yeah. Um, the biggest mounds in the world. So so then we have the story of that massacre. Remember that the Indians already though the ones that lived there had already feared the the dead guys, the Frenchmen. So now we have the massacre which could lead to a great ghost story. I mean, and you know that was something else too. There's a story from Sea Camp Park where somebody fell off the roller coaster yes. and died. I do remember hearing that. I, I, mean, I don't know how much. Yeah, it fell it off the roller coaster. I don't know died. how much there is to that. Is well, yeah, there is it because really because that's what led to the closing of the park. I believe was part of it. I think. Part yeah. of it. Um, 
I didn't know that. I wish I would have. So you think about that. you think about how many people have died. It's like bad juju on that land. That is. Something. Well, there's more to it. So as I'm researching this piece of land, this this phrase keeps coming up, and it's dead man's hollow. You guys ever I've heard Dead Man's Hollow. I, I was researching haunted places in Ohio and that popped up yep. many times. So if you do a search of Dead Man's Hollow, Bucyrus, mm-hmm. this will come up and it's you remember the haunted Ohio books? I have one of those. Yeah. It's in there one of it, the story's in there. And then I did find it in the newspaper, so I know it actually happened. A man in 1836 came to the town and he was looking to purchase land. So Daniel Bender was his name, and he took his brother-in-law, and they were out in the area between Seacam, and there's another park called Heckert Park. They're right beside each other. Yeah, really close together. So it was in that strip of land there that they were were looking at the possibility of purchasing land. Well, these two local guys were like, let us help you. Let us show you around. Well, the two local guys weren't so nice, so what they did is they clubbed the two men over the head. They clubbed Daniel and his brother-in-law the brother-in-law somehow escaped, but Daniel was knocked unconscious, and they, they shot him in the head with a pistol. Okay, So with that story then became the legend of the dead man's hollow because supposedly you see Daniel's ghost there. Um, horses would veer away from that area. They didn't want any part of it. Um, so the, just another tra- huge tragedy there, and to get the name, too, to make it yeah, even worse. Yeah, there it is. I just Googled it. Ohio <laughs> Ghost Stories and Legends and Haunts, Crawford County, Ohio. And, and Bender. Omelo Drive. And Bender is a name. Omelo Drive's not. And Bender is a, uh, was a judge in yeah, town. Yeah, Judge Bender was judge. Before. So we're making all kinds of connections Holy here. Holy smokes. Well, and then the last thing, and I didn't know about if there's about the death on the roller coaster or an accident there, but that's something we could research. Um, the reason that the amusement park closed was in 1946, it was a late June, a lightning bolt hit one of the structures everything was wooden so yeah. of course it's going to go up but to make matters worse so it was the end of june they had a building filled with their their fireworks they'd put on a fireworks oh. show every july 4th <laughs> so finally that caught and there was just nothing they could do once that caught fire yeah. so the park you know it kind of went by the wayside through a tragedy i mean nobody was killed in this but it's just to me, just to me feels like that land there. That's the important Yeah, I, and you know, for what your podcast usually talks about, it's a perfect story that fits right into the oh, yeah. theme here. Death and destruction? Holy moly, I believe that. <laughs> well, the thing we've, we've kind of discovered, kind of, is that there are certain parts of our county that are hotbeds, so like bad. for for paranormal Stuff. and things like that, like going back to... You know, my personal experience is the dog man story on Temple Road. And I know the, somebody has seen eyes at the um, Stone Quarry. Quarry, like a whole bunch of eyes in the backyard. The in the the the, no the Tim and, and Sharma haunted house. The the wind story with me. All that is within a very small geographical. Well, area. and then where you're talking, that's like Heckert Woods and Dead Man Hot, well, I mean, that's even a smaller. That's all mm-hmm. in the that's same all in the plot Lincoln. Yeah, ba- yeah, basically. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So it's it's weird that that there's certain, I guess, certain areas that 
I don't know whether they're they're magnets for tragedy and different things mm-hmm. like that or paranormal. I think they're charged that. with energy. It's and we like, talked about that. Well, like yeah. where CKM Park, I mean, there, there you got like the, the converging of a couple rivers right mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. along Temple Road, um, and not to really go crazy, but you know, like uh, the David Polites missing four one one stuff. All mm-hmm. that's based on the uh, stone, like the. Uh, oh, what am I trying to say? Like the uh, limestone, limestone, limestone yeah. Yeah. which is mm-hmm. right out there at the stone quarry. And right? at the stone quarry. Yeah, right. at the stone quarry, which is a huge deposit of mm-hmm. that. So, are, you, are those conductors of? Mm-hmm. I saw an crazy? interesting chart that. that I know we're going slightly off kilter. I saw this interesting yeah, chart about book about all the like missing people. Like they they yeah. put like all the missing people in the United mm-hmm. States, and it just so. And then they put they, they overlaid that with all the underground caves. Yeah. Throughout the country, and they all match up. The pattern of missing people matches up with the pattern of underground caves, mm-hmm. which also just happens to be the majority of the underground caves. To be contained in national parks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Which may or may not be the a backstory to the uh, From the Shadows. Five, I guess the, five. the last thing to interject is remember around here they also had uh, part of the Underground Railroad historically was around here too. So They found remember. a tunnel over the library. Yeah. They want to take me down and walk me through it. Oh, really? So you have have another story you want to share with us today? Well, you know, I wanted to point out one more thing about this piece and these patterns that are Mm -hmm. emerging over there in that certain area. It took me, uh, I I got all the way through the research, started just reviewing it a couple times, and I'm like, I started to look at the dates of some of these things. The amusement park was 1946. The Daniel Bender Dead Man's Hollow was 1836. The massacre was believed to be between the early 1800s and the mid 1800s. I'm not sure when the bear attack was, but if I look at the last three, it looks like every 100 years there is some kind of tragedy. So, as a caution for you guys, we got about 25 years. Yeah, about 25 years to get out there, get the treasure, (laughs) and then get out of that area. Or we could totally screw that timeline up and just make it a tragedy here in the next couple years. Oh, we could go out there right now and and just throw it. Screw this whole the thing. The tragedy <laughs> might be, well, I don't know. You have some cloud. I was going to say maybe the tragedy would be you'd be arrested, but you might be able to work around that a little bit. I don't bit. know. <laughs> Depends if we go before him or his brother. He's throwing the book at Yeah, him. he would. Yeah, <laughs> well, well what, I, what I wanted to then touch base on is the other books that you have done. Sure. Because um, when I was doing my research on your books, mm-hmm. what I found was... I was like, man, these would be great books if you like uh, were vacationing up at Lake Erie. Exactly. Like if you had like a like a lake house. Not that that you have that's a prerequisite for reading the books, but these all sound like really cool. Uh, you know, it's all based in Ohio, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of like uh, just the perfect. I want to get away from everything, read about some stuff that I know, and then maybe I could, right. while I'm on vacation, yeah, maybe I can go check out, check out check out some stuff. So do you want to talk about all, sure. all three, or the other two books that we haven't 
touch So on. my friends say that the Lake Erie connection is strategic because if you think about the life as, as an author, um, not only do strange men yeah. hit you up on yeah, the exactly. internet, um, <laughs> but I'll get these calls. Look, from, I changed it from Elmo <laughs> to okay. I'll get these calls from maybe a museum in Kelly on Kelly's Island, and they're like, "Hey, would you be able to come out and sign books on such and such date? And you know, we'll help you with your passage out here, um, buy you dinner." And I'm like, "Let me think about it a minute." Do I want to go out and sign my own book on the middle, on the islands in the summer? So, yeah, my friends say it's, it was a strategic. Do you deny so, that? Yes, I do deny oh. that. I'm not saying I I don't enjoy it, but <laughs> my first book was is uh, Geneva on the Lake: A History of Ohio's First Summer Resort. We vacation there every year of my life, so I have always loved to go to the lake and be near the lake. Um, and so when I started thinking about the possibility of writing a book, you know, as an English teacher, I'm like, write what you, something you loved, write about that, and you, the words will just come to you. And um, so I followed my own advice and started pitching the idea. Um, and then I think the History Press was like the sixth publisher I, I pitched to. So if you are trying to get a book published, just that would be my advice. Be prepared that you're going to be told no. Um, and just move on to the next one. So the History Press said they were interested, and right away I'm signing a contract. They're talking about when I need to have my manuscript ready. So then I'm getting nervous because now it's official. But anyway, um, I, I wrote the book and worked through that process. Was done with the book. The book came out, started doing the author things, going to the book signings and that. And I'm like, this is so much fun. And not because I was making a little bit of money, just because it was fun to talk to people, do things like this. Well, and sit at the lake. Yeah, yeah I did have Perks. that, yeah. Um, and so then I'm like, I want to write another book. And the publisher's like, okay, what's your idea? And then about that time, the whole treasure tale came into to being so I did this one and then the third one so I said again I think I want to do another one and he the publisher they kind of feel now like I'm their Lake Erie girl so they automatically suggested something about Lake Erie and the third one is legend no it's disasters on the Lake Erie islands so it is, you know, centered on the islands and terrible things that happened there. Um, so that is all three books. Um, people ask me if I have a favorite. There's something I like about each one of them. Um, and I am currently working on a fourth one with the History Press. So Are you allowed to tell us what it's about? I, I can tell you it is Murder and Mayhem on Lake Erie. So we got the Lake Erie thing. Yeah, so yeah. the Bessie connection is not just so I'm not this I'm not stealing anything for you. I think you'll like my angle. It's probably different than okay. your, yours. I'm going to talk about the hoax, like how many wow. people tried to mm -hmm. trick other people into thinking Bessie was there. Was there. A, well, there was an award for Bessie. I don't know if it's still out there, but so when she was first seen. 150000 Yeah, the, the mayor. Your roller coaster, 1930. Was <laughs> offering an award for Bessie, but she had to be alive. They even had a hotline oh, cool. back then to call well, if you had Bessie's How are you going to catch a sea monster on the, the Well, it... So there was a bunch of, so the original sightings were in the like eight, 1800s, mm -hmm. okay, there's a bunch of them, but it wasn't until 
the late 80s and the early 90s where there was a rash of Bessie sightings, okay? In fact, there's a video on YouTube from 1991 of a supposed Bessie sighting. <laughs> so at that point, can you see the air quotes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys can, but, but uh, so, so it was then where a bunch of businessmen got together, and I believe it was with the Cleveland Plain Dealer and offered like an award. A reward of $150,000 with the caveat that it had to be at least 30 feet long and weigh, gosh, how much was it? At least maybe over 400 pounds. Even if it was 10 feet long and weighed 150 pounds, <laughs> I'm not selling to them for $150,000. Things worth millions of dollars. This Why would was, I sell it to them? You weren't selling it to them. This was just an award. A reward. reward. Oh, so you get for to keep proof. it. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Geez, okay. But it was okay. also. Um, a circus, some of the snakes got loose, and some of them was mistaking the snakes. Like, there was rock, rock, rock pythons as Bessie, mm-hmm. and they caught those snakes, and all of a sudden, the sightings disappeared. And so, That's I, interesting. So this segues into, now, before this episode airs, I'm going to be a guest on Ohio Mysteries on an episode that we're going to record actually later today. Where I become the armchair detective <laughs> on this whole Bessie thing, <laughs> they're doing an episode on Bessie. So then it's up to me to give my two cents and the research that I did. I got to be honest; I don't want to give too much away, but the picture, the the front cover of the Weekly World News that I found with a, a lake eerie monster taking down a sailboat almost mm-hmm. clinched it for me. <laughs> In favor of yes, Bessie does exist. Well, I actually have a good murder story for you. My father oh boy. murdered his liver <laughs> at Lake Erie. Yeah, Lake Erie. Really? <laughs> yes, he did. You know, we, uh, I bet he is one of many to have done that. You know, did, he, did uh, Captain Morgan ever be? Was <laughs> he ever he, brought up on charges? You know, he, Captain Morgan implicated. My, my dad declared war upon his, his own liver, and he won. Maybe, maybe I can work that into the book. You, you know, know, though, I have an interesting, interesting Lake Erie story about you, you talk about crazy stuff like that. What my family we, we camped up at this place called Bay Breeze. It mm-hmm. was a campground. It was you know trailers and stuff like that. And there was <clears throat> I've told this story to Shannon McGrow actually. And we there was a there was an area where you'd swim. You told me this yeah, too, I think. Yeah, there was an area where you'd swim with a little beach. And then there was, on the opposite end of the campground, was, was the boat dock. And the, you know, we as kids, always looking for something to do, would, we had one of these mini trampolines, and we would put it at the end of the dock. It was a big concrete dock. Okay. And you'd get a big running head start, and you'd hit that thing, you'd fly off, and you know do flips and stuff like that. So, probably about 15, 20 yards, maybe not even that far, I don't know, as a kid. But out there was this giant rock and they had a milk jug that that floated there mm-hmm. so boats wouldn't hit it you know mm-hmm. the, and it was so big you could have never moved it so so we would swim out there and the water was probably because they probably dug it out the water was probably like 10 12 feet deep and but out there by this rock you could stand on it it'd only be like waist deep so we were doing that it was me and two other kids a uh, kid i'd have been about 12 years old kid was about 16 and there was a girl who was about 10. And we were doing this, and the girl was swimming back, and all of a sudden she starts screaming and kicking and thrashing, and we're like, "What the heck's wrong?" You know, like, "What's she doing?" I mean, she is fighting for her life, like, I mean, screaming. 
And so we're just, you know, paralyzed with what is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. So she finally gets to the dock. She crawls up the ladder and she says something grabbed a hold of her. And something had a hold of her leg and was trying to pull her. And we were just like, eh, you know, I mean, keep in mind, people would fish off that dock too. Right. So we figured she probably got her leg caught in some fishing line and stuff like that. So she had tears running down her face, whole mm-hmm. nine yards. So she calmed down. It's like, eh. I was convinced, me and this other kid was convinced, she just got leg caught in some fishing line. So <clears throat> my turn, I run, jump, swim out to the rock. And as I'm standing there waiting for this other kid, I feel this hand grab me by, and not like not where my ankle is, but above my ankle before you get to the calf. And it goes all the way around my leg. Now I was only 12 years old, so my leg probably wasn't that big. But it goes all the way around my head. And when it grabs me, it pulls. Like, it pulls. And I remember the the sheer panic that, because I was not a really good swimmer. Was not. And whatever it was, it had a hold of me. It was trying to pull me off the rock. And, of course, I start screaming and crying mm-hmm. like, like the girl. Can you react, Regan? I probably could. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I'm screaming. Yeah. For my life. I mean, just screaming and, mm-hmm. and kicking and, and thrashing. And it was strong. I mean, it was, and it, you can tell, like I could tell it, it was, a, it, it had digits. That I, I'm not going to say it had four fingers, five fingers, right. six fingers, I don't know. But you could tell that it, it had a firm grip. And I'm not going to say, because look, I was scared. I don't remember whether, what was an amphibious hand. I can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But whatever it was, it, it, it had a hold of me. And I'm screaming, I'm kicking. And all of a sudden, just let's go. It just let's go. And so this, you know, the, the 16-year-old kid who's up on the on the dock, he's, the, he, he's frozen. He doesn't know what's going right. on. So I start screaming, help, help, come help me, come help me. So he, he's a really good swimmer. He dives in, you know, he swims out there as well as wrong. And so I tell him, he's like, well, we got to get the hell off this rock. And I'm like, no way. I'm not moving. I said, I'm not moving because... I was not a good swimmer. I mean, I could swim, but I was not a good swimmer. And and my thought was, if I start trying to make the swim and it gets a hold of me, I'm going under. Like, I'm not a good swimmer. It, it This thing's taking me under. And the, the girl that had gotten grabbed was a really good swimmer. She was like a, did swim team and stuff like that. And the boy was a really good swimmer. I was the worst of the bunch. And so I bet we stood out there for a half hour on that rock and him trying to coax me and say, okay, we'll go, we'll go. And so finally, what finally, how we did it was I agreed. He had, he had me go first and he swam right on my feet, you know, right behind me so that if something grabbed me, God only knows him, he would be able to help, but convinced me that he'd be able right. to help. And so get back up, you know, that was it. I've never went swimming Lake Erie ever do, again. Do you know how lucky it was? That person and not me and Stove with you. You guys just went We just shoved you right in and said, there you go, new sinker. But you know, the thing is, to to this day, to this day, I've never went swimming like Gary. It's a a fear of not seeing what's below. You don't. I don't like ponds. No, I don't I, either. And and I used to, you know, we used to have a boat at Lake Erie, and you'd mm-hmm. back in those days to go to the beach, you would anchor the boat off the beach, off of yeah. the state parks, and you'd swim in. Okay, well, the lake back in the late seventies, early eighties was so you mm-hmm. you you'd be walking no. through cans, uh, 
glass, yeah. needles, uh, plastic. Tires. Yeah, you didn't know what you were going to mm-hmm. like step in to finish yeah. that walk up onto the beach. So, I mean, yeah, I so could totally, was, I could totally relate to, you know, and maybe it wasn't a hand, maybe it was like a, like one of those six pack. But I will say, from my Bessie research, um, that uh, most of the people that had eyewitness sightings were out on the lake for quite a while. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe enjoying some beverages in the hospital. In fact, the one guys had been up all night and decided to get on the boat. Which just in itself is a bad idea. Well, maybe she only it. presents herself when they're very relaxed. And you're on shrooms. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anything right. in your research did you come up with uh, people uh, mistaking sturgeons? Yeah, for, sturgeon mm-hmm. like yeah there's yeah, 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 that's, sturgeon yeah, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't want to give away, I don't He's not giving the holy. Kids are trying to get people yeah. to listen to. We want to I will say this much about Lake Erie. It's a very shallow lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is. That's why it's I mean, so volatile. I mean, at, at its deepest is what, like forty feet or something. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's where we're. That's so the part that we're familiar cool. with. Over like by Buffalo and stuff like that. It gets right. a lot. It gets a lot. Yeah, I think the deepest is two hundred and ten feet. Yeah. So that's pretty deep. And you know, speaking of like the legends and lore, that lake. I mean, there is so much there with the shipwrecks, and then mm-hmm. you got the Bessie, and then you have the Sea Witch that takes supposedly takes these boats down. If I you guess see there's her. a Bermuda Triangle up in Lake Yeah, there's the tr- there's a uh, by Kelly's mm-hmm. Island. We're all really? yeah. the most Sea Witch, huh? Yeah, there's a Sea Witch. The there's grabs, the Black Dog. Grabs people by the the, grabs the, the, the Black Dog of Lake yeah. Erie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So with the lake itself, you you know. I'm going to have three books that has stories, but there are so many more out there, and there are so many more to be written just because it's such an interesting yeah. place. Yeah. Well, and we always give, and at the end, we always give we always give a shout-out to our listeners that if anybody has an interesting story yeah. that they'd like to tell or share or maybe give you f- to, to research for your book, reach out to us and yeah. get a hold of we. I would advise, though, reach out to us first. <laughs> Don't send her a message. Okay, oh, she's gonna think you're some creepy yeah, dog. Some <laughs> anything to do with you. But, but the um, so back before we jump off here, two things about the treasure. Were, were there anyone when you were doing the research? Did anybody go find a treasure? Like, did anybody verify there was a treasure after either you had written the book or while you were researching it that? There was a legend of a treasure and that somebody came across it. And was there any that you yourself thought, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I'm going to go look for this. This seems like a slam dunk. I'm going to go. Um, so there is a chapter in the book on found treasures. Oh, okay. You know, I couldn't leave those out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so interesting. One of my favorites was, it was called The Money House in Cleveland. And um, a fellow, he was sort of a hermit, and he passed away and then when they went to start bulldozing his house and this was in the 70s they started bulldozing his house and in the process of this bulldozing these little kids started coming to the the candy store and they'd have $20 bills and one kid was buying a bicycle and so the adults were like what where did you get this money well here as they were bulldozing the house money was just falling out of the walls (laughs) nice yeah and so the the construction men were putting it in the buckets and 
And after all this, and this is something you may be interested in, when they they traced down who that money actually belongs to, it was actually would have went to this his sister who was in the nursing home, but she was so close to death, she said she didn't care about it. So in the end, they were just allowed to have the money. Hmm. Um, and you can find footage of the Cleveland Money House on So here's YouTube. an interesting from Ohio law. So if you are going to inherit money from me, you have to survive me 30 days. Really? You have to survive That's me 30 days. And if I don't leave any heirs, if I don't leave any heirs, the money... It's called a shkeet. Imagine that. It is shkeets to the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So technically, the state of Ohio had claimed that money. The fact that the state of Ohio let a bunch of money go shocks me. <laughs> I mean, the kids enjoyed it. Yeah, I bet so, they did. Um, yeah, and they talked about a, a single mother who had found money and paid all her bills. Like, she found 3000 and it, So it was interesting. Um, and then, as far as, like, a treasure that... I believe is there. I didn't keep it a secret. Of all of them is probably that Minerva treasure that I mentioned. And the thing that makes that one so interesting is there was a letter of where it was and all these clues were in the letter. Every clue that was in the letter has been overturned. Um, And so the only thing missing, of course, is the treasure. Mm -hmm. But there is just so so much that supports that if somebody didn't take it by now there most likely was a treasure in the ground and I feel like at some point maybe with the new technology where they can you know do the infrared yeah that at some point somebody will go out there and run that Mm -hmm. on that Minerva area to look for it how much is supposed to be there Um, I believe the worth of it is six million dollars. You better be careful because it's a bigfoot out there. I know the There's Minerva monsters. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. He might be so. protecting it. You never know. Well, and a local fellow that had researched it had taken me around to show me where. See, I get in cars with strange guys too. <laughs> nice. Except friend requests, whatever. <laughs> you may be on another episode of Ohio Mysteries. For I, another I reason. Hey, there's a treasure hidden in the trunk of my car. Would you <laughs> might smell this ether rag. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let me Here, get, get with <laughs> What is that shovel? But he had taken me out. Well, this will add to the story. Taking me out on these country roads and um. Oh my gosh! This, yeah. My mind, like you get a car, the strange guy with a shovel in his thing, and you, know, you, you respond to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you respond to him. How bad is your profile? I, I know. I said it was Elmo. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of the beginning of Sean Seaback's story. <laughs> it's like, now. everything is wrong with this. But, you know, he said of all the treasures, that's the one I think that is, is most likely there. So I had to take the chance. I had He was going to show uh, me see, the ground uh, where it was. Right there is, is why there's so much tragedy tied to treasure is... I had to take the chance. So I, I would have been one of those people right. that was just right to the point of finding it and then and disappeared <laughs> and added to the mystery. And you guys could pick Whatever up Whatever you do, do not stop out at Seacam Park <laughs> on the way. Because then it's just going to be, you know, the the wandering, wandering Wendy. <laughs> Her spirit wanders the old Seacam uh, Park. So... Well, Wendy, it has been awesome that you have made the trip and that you did not report me to the authorities. 
She might yeah. know, you just don't know. I know. Well, if she and the judge go into yeah, the chamber. Yeah, I'm sitting here by the like, judge. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I would have been in jail a long time ago. There's nothing you could tell him that would be any worse than what he is. But uh, what are you laughing about, Jason? Uh, I heard a couple of those stories. That was not, they were not about That could be a whole uh, show. That's another episode. Okay, anyway, on that note, we will. But hey. Everybody go out. Let's give the uh, names of the books again, where we can find them, how to, how to get a hold of you that isn't creepy if they <laughs> okay. want to contact you. And, right. uh, and where you might be, you know, do you have any uh, book signings coming up? Or, or website, yeah. anything you want to yeah. get out there. Go ahead and tell sure. our audience. Um, so just so you know how to spell my name, the, my first name is Wendy. Last name is Coyle, K-O-I-L-E. I do have a website. It's wendycoyle.com. However, I haven't been on there for a while, so I need to make sure it's still up and running. I'm not 100% sure on that. You can find the book uh, on any of the online um, source, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and then the names of the books. The first one was Geneva on the Lake, A History of Ohio's First Summer Resort. The treasure one that I talked about today is Legend on Lost Treasure of Northern Ohio. And then the most recent was Disasters on the Lake Erie Islands. Um, so they all should be in stock from the last time I have checked on some of those online stores. Um, and then, you know, you can contact the guys here and, um, if you would like to share a story with me or if you have a comment about one of the books you'd like to share, um, I'm all about talking to readers. So I would definitely be interested in that. And I'd also like to say thank you for having me on the podcast. It has been so much fun today. Um, I feel I, I like I'm with a group of like-minded people. So, <laughs> minus Shane. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, thank we, you. we've said this. We said this I, think we, I think we say this every show and... and but it's important that the genesis of this yeah. podcast was to find people who have like-minded, like experiences, who have a passion for this, to give them a chance to share their stories and let them know, hey, listen, nobody's you know nobody's going to think that you're crazy or anything like that, and um, and we really enjoy hearing stories from people. So yes. thank you again, Wendy, for coming on. And I am going to work really hard at trying to figure out a way I can go into the next book tour with you. <laughs> Kelly's Island. Even if I just have to put the word Lake Erie on the back cover of the book. <laughs> the next, of the next book. <laughs> just look good at Kelly's Island. There's supposed to be a statue up there, Bessie. I think yeah, I think so. Putting Side, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a restaurant with a sandwich named after it, too. Yeah. Are we back on Bessie? Tune in later. Shane Grove eats three sandwiches. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, then the Ohio Mysteries podcast will have already been out a week. So listen after you get done listening to ours, go check out the Ohio Mysteries podcast, and you can find where I'm the armchair detective. You can find out where Wendy is the armchair detective. On, on an episode, a uh, future guest, uh, William Haddix from the UFO yes. Reporting Center. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a guest. He has an episode on there. So it's uh, it's kind of cool when we can bring all the Ohio people together and, and share some share some. Ohio stories. is such a, such a cool place because 
there's so much here. There, there's stories of lost treasure and legends, and there's so many haunted places in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And we have the Ohio Bigfoot, the Ohio Dog Man, we have the Minerva Monster, we have the Frog Man or the Lizard Man or whatever. The Frog right. Man, frog we man have the Melon Heads, we, we have, have the, the Lowland Frog. We have the I Want a Hamburger G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, G.I. Joe. We got the I Want a Hamburger G.I. Kung Fu Grip. So, Ohio, awesome place. Awesome place with, with our with our state parks and and, yeah. and with our lakes and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's and a, last but not least, we have the From the Shadows podcast. Yes. Yeah, yes. There, you, there you go. <laughs> and uh, great author, Wendy Coyle, who is chronicling some of these great stories from the state of Ohio. So we, uh, and we know how hard that is. All of us trying to do some, do some stuff like that. We know yeah. how, well, how hard it is yes, to sit definitely. down and, uh, because the words just don't roll right off. No, <laughs> that's the not page. usually. <laughs> <laughs> some so, do and some right. Most don't. Yeah. So, so thanks again, and uh, we hope the listeners enjoyed this episode. And don't worry, we'll have already found the treasure by the time you. We did. Already. So, so, thank you, Wendy. Right. I appreciate thank it. you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, a final word. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast. You can visit our webpage at from the shadows podcast dot or Contribute to our Facebook discussion page called After the Shadows. And tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you all. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.